My wife came across this verse in Psalm 101, verse 2. I will lead a life of integrity in my own home. This is the Bible Speaks to You podcast, episode 127. Today, we're going to talk about biblical spring cleaning. You're listening to the Bible Speaks to You podcast. I'm James Early, your host, and this is the place to be to rediscover the original Christianity of Jesus. Each week, we talk about how Jesus wanted us to think and act and pray and live our daily lives. And we dig down into the mindset of Jesus to discover how we can think and act like he did. The goal is to experience more of Jesus' promise that the kingdom of heaven is at hand. Hey there, and welcome again to the Bible Speaks to You podcast. I am so grateful that you're here today listening. I always appreciate you tuning in. Today, we're talking about biblical spring cleaning. Now, I know this may seem like a little bit of an odd topic in light of all the serious challenges and the things that are going on in the world right now, but just keep listening, and I think you'll see why this is so relevant. Recently, my wife and I have realized that the month of March is a perfect time to do some spring cleaning. We've been going through various parts of the house and taking a careful look at what we've collected over the years in the way of books, clothes, toys and games from when the kids were small, and all kinds of stuff that has accumulated over 30 years in the same home. Our goal has been to deep clean and to declutter, to get rid of the things we no longer need, use, or love. Now, you may be wondering, hey, James, it's great that you're cleaning your house, but I thought this podcast was about the Bible. Where does the Bible fit in with all this? Well, I'm so glad you asked. My wife came across this verse in Psalms, and it's what really prompted our efforts to declutter. This is Psalm 101, verse 2. I will walk within my house with a perfect heart. Now, that's the King James translation. The New Living Translation puts it this way. I will lead a life of integrity in my own home. Wow, isn't that an intriguing idea? To walk in my house with a perfect heart, to lead a life of integrity in my own home. That covers so many possibilities. No guilt, no shame, no emotional baggage. No procrastination of dealing with stuff, physical or mental. Now, some people put on an appearance of having their lives all together when they're around others out in the world, at work, at church, at school. But at home and in their hearts, their lives are a mess. And maybe their houses are even neat and tidy, but their hearts are full of negativity. Well, I can totally relate to that. Years ago, when I was a full-time stay-at-home dad with three little kids, everybody thought I was doing such a great job, but 
I did not always do the best job of keeping the house clean. One time a friend rang the doorbell and I wouldn't even let him in the house because it was so messy. And there have been times when I've been struggling with something internally, but acted like everything was fine. Well, getting back to the present, Polly, my wife, and I have been striving to walk in our home with a perfect heart and all that implies in every way. Here's one tiny little example of what that looks like in the case of decluttering. And just think of this as a metaphor for anything going on in your life, either in your home or in your heart. Recently, we got a new chair for the living room, which doubles as my prayer chair during my morning Bible study and prayer time. It's right between two bookcases, but there were lots of books in these cases that we never use. And most of my Bible study books were in a bookcase across the room. So every time I wanted to use one, I had to get up, walk over there, and come back to reinstall myself in my prayer chair. Well, it was not that big of a deal, but I didn't always get up to get the book I needed. So when we got the new chair, we also rearranged where the books were. We went through several hundred books, put all my Bible study books within reach of the new chair, reorganized others into new spots, and donated about a hundred books, which we didn't need or want anymore, to a local library. It really was not that hard to do. It did take several hours, but it felt great to have things better organized for our current lifestyle. But more importantly, it was very empowering to get rid of things we didn't use. We felt a wonderful sense of freedom. And when I came downstairs the next morning and saw what we had accomplished, I was amazed at the huge difference this made in my mental attitude. I just wanted to do the happy dance all the way around the living room because I felt like I had really taken care of what I needed, and now I could focus so much better on what was important. And I got a little taste of what it means to walk in my home with a perfect heart. To walk with a perfect heart To lead a life of integrity in my own home means, among other things, to be honest with myself about the stuff in my house and what's in my heart. What keeps us from getting rid of the clutter in our homes? What keeps us from taking the time to evaluate what we have and decide what to keep and what to get rid of or what to give to others? Why do we carry around the mental and emotional baggage that weighs us down and needs to be disposed of? What keeps us from walking in our homes with a perfect heart? Well, we can come up with lots of reasons. Some of them are more legitimate than others, but behind most of them is some sort of fear, or we're not really loving ourselves. Then we create a facade of excuses to hide what's at a deeper level in our thinking. So I got to wondering if there was anything in the Bible about spring cleaning, accumulating and getting rid of clutter or things that were no longer needed. And I found a few things. Now, if you've listened to the Bible Speaks to You podcast for a while, you know I love to garden, and I've had several episodes using metaphors from the garden to bring out ideas in the Bible. 
and I'll put links to a few of those episodes in the show notes. And thinking about spring cleaning, I have realized that some of these gardening metaphors, which Jesus uses, for example, also apply to what's going on inside the house. Because Jesus is really talking about what's going on inside our thinking, whether we're in the house or in the garden or wherever we are. Here's one of those metaphors that has always meant a lot to me. It's in John chapter 15, verses 1 through 6. Jesus is talking to his disciples, and he says, I am the true grapevine, and my Father is the gardener. He cuts off every branch of mine that doesn't produce fruit, and he prunes the branches that do bear fruit, so they will produce even more. You have already been pruned and purified by the message I have given you. Remain in me, and I will remain in you. For a branch cannot produce fruit if it is severed from the vine, and you cannot be fruitful unless you remain in me. Yes, I am the vine, you are the branches. Those who remain in me and I in them will produce much fruit. For apart from me, you can do nothing. Anyone who does not remain in me is thrown away like a useless branch and withers. Such branches are gathered into a pile to be burned. Again, I realize this is a gardening metaphor, but it does apply to going through your house and getting rid of things that don't belong there anymore. Jesus is talking about our relationship with him and how the Father maintains that relationship just as a gardener prunes his grapevines. And this metaphor sheds light on how we can keep what is productive in our lives and get rid of what isn't. Maybe that's where some of the reluctance comes from in not dealing with the stuff hidden away in our closets or buried in our hearts. We think we have to decide what to get rid of or how to get rid of it. But a branch can't trim itself off the vine. When we see that God is the one who actually removes the unfruitful things and thoughts from our lives, it's a bit easier to let something go. God knows what he's doing. So, how does this passage about a gardener pruning branches apply to you and me cleaning our house, whether it's our literal house or the secret storage chambers of our thinking? Well, When was the last time you took an honest look at the fruitful and unfruitful activities in your life? When have you looked at the things in your home with the question, does having this particular item in my home bear fruit, so to speak, of the kind Jesus is talking about? Is it something that turns my thought toward God or pulls my heart away from God? Is it something that helps you see and love yourself as worthy of God's love, or is it something that reminds you of a time when you felt you were unworthy? For example, some of the books we sorted through earlier this month we didn't really need or want anymore, but some of them really didn't bring us closer to God, so we got rid of them. It's a little harder sometimes when you're cleaning out your mental bookshelves, just as you may want to hold on to a favorite but completely worn out t-shirt that doesn't fit, to switch to a clothing metaphor, sometimes we hold on to old, worn-out, or harmful attitudes about God, ourselves, or something or someone else. 
Here's the time to remember that God is the one who prunes away the dead and unfruitful branches, and he trims slightly the branches or areas in your life that are fruitful, so you will be more fruitful or productive. And to use another gardening metaphor, Jesus' parable of the tares and the wheat, on a deeper level, it's God's job to oversee the removal of what's not appropriate from what needs to be kept, whether it's some of the stuff in your house or some of the thoughts in your heart. Another aspect of spring cleaning is the process of actually cleaning your house, again, whether we're talking about your mental or physical house. Jesus tells a very brief parable about a woman who cleaned her house because she had ten pieces of silver but had lost one of them. This is in Luke 15, verses 8 through 10. He says, Suppose a woman has ten silver coins and loses one. Won't she light a lamp and sweep the entire house and search carefully until she finds it? And when she finds it, she will call in her friends and neighbors and say, Rejoice with me because I have found my lost coin. In the same way, there is joy in the presence of God's angels when even one sinner repents. The coin referred to here is a drachma, which is the equivalent of one day's wage. It was not an insignificant amount of money. And one of my favorite Bible commentaries, William Barclay, has this to say. The mark of a married woman was a headdress made of ten silver coins linked together by a silver chain. It may well be that it was one of these coins that the woman had lost, and so she searched for it as any woman would search if she had lost her marriage ring. When a sinner repents, there is joy in heaven just as when a woman finds her most precious possession after it has been lost. That's from the Daily Bible series by William Barclay. Jesus takes something that almost everyone could identify with, losing something important, and cleaning up your house. When you find it, you're filled with joy. Jesus takes the parable to a much higher level and explains that when one sinner repents, there is much rejoicing in heaven. Well, when you clean your house, and you know I'm going to say it, whether it's your actual house or your spiritual house, you often find important and valuable things that had been lost. For example, when we were cleaning up a room we had stored a bunch of stuff in for several years, we found the recipe file boxes we got from Polly's mom and aunt. There was one particular recipe my wife really wanted to find, and after going through seven or eight large recipe file boxes, she found what she was looking for. It was her mom's oatmeal raisin cookie recipe. She's been wondering where that recipe was for almost 20 years. Now, you may think an oatmeal cookie recipe is not such a big deal and certainly not as valuable as that silver coin worth a day's wages Jesus was talking about, and you're entitled to feel that way. But to my wife, that recipe was priceless. And by the way, if you'd like to see that recipe, I'll have a link in the show notes to her website, polycaster.com, where you can find that recipe. The other interesting thing that happened in the process of going through all those recipes, she got rid of most of them. This is a metaphor for looking into our spiritual house and finding treasures we had forgotten about or lost track of. 
Recently, I was reminded about something that had happened years ago, and I suddenly remembered how God had blessed me and protected me in a particular situation. I hadn't thought about that for years, but I rediscovered that lost coin, so to speak. Now, with all this literal and figurative house cleaning and getting rid of stuff, I think it's important to remember the warning Jesus gives when you clean your house, especially referring to the mental one. This is in Matthew chapter 12, verses 43 through 45. Jesus says, When an impure spirit comes out of a person, it goes through arid places seeking rest and does not find it. Then it says, I will return to the house I left. When it arrives, it finds the house unoccupied, swept clean, and put in order. Somebody had been doing their spring cleaning, but they left it unguarded. Then verse 45, Then it goes and takes with it seven other spirits more wicked than itself, and they go in and live there. And the final condition of that person is worse than the first. If a wild dog got into your house and made a mess of things, and you finally got him out, would you clean everything up and then leave the door open when you went on some errands? Of course not. That wild dog could easily come back with other wild dogs and make things even worse. When you go to all the trouble and effort to clean your spiritual house and actually get rid of some of the emotional baggage and negative self-talk that has been weighing you down, it's important to defend that newfound freedom and not go back to ideas or practices or people which were a bad influence on you. There may be temptations, and you may think you want to let those things back into your life, but Jesus has laid it out plain and simple that when we do go back to bad attitudes and practices, things can be much worse. Jesus has some pretty important things to say about eliminating negative thinking. He says, if your right hand or your right eye cause you to stumble, cut it off or pluck it out. Well, obviously, this is a metaphor, and not to be taken literally, for getting rid of thoughts and practices which may be very much a part of your life, but are a negative influence. It's Jesus' way of saying, get rid of the things which don't bring you closer to God. And of course, it's always easier to see when someone else needs to clean up their house or their life. And Jesus has some choice words to say about that too. He says, don't try to cast out the speck from your neighbor's eye when you need to get the beam or the plank out of your own eye. So, to put this in the language of spring cleaning, Clean up your own house first. Get your own act together before you try to help your neighbor. So, if you're doing any spring cleaning in the next month or so, and if you're listening in the Southern Hemisphere, this can apply to you too whenever you do spring cleaning. Let God guide you in what to keep in your home and what to keep in your heart. There's no need to hoard things or thoughts. Jesus said, Don't store up your treasures on earth, but store them up in heaven. You are not richer because you keep everything. You aren't somehow better off if you hold on to hurts and fears from the past. Let God be the one who helps get rid of what needs to be disposed of. 
the dust bunnies under your bed, the clutter in your room, and the worn out or unused clothes in your closet are not part of your house, so you can let them go if they no longer have a purpose. And if there's something that still has value that you don't need anymore, share it with someone else. More importantly, though, the negative thoughts about yourself, the painful memories from the past, and any thought or practice that has pulled you away from God, those aren't part of you. You're not getting rid of something that is part of who you are. You're getting rid of the mental dust and clutter. Paul shares a wonderful lesson he learned about himself, and it helps us as we grow closer to God. This is in 1 Corinthians 13, verse 11. Paul says, When I was a child, I spoke and thought and reasoned as a child. But when I grew up, I put away childish things. Paul is talking about when he did not know Christ, he thought and acted very differently. But as he grew in Christ, he put away those old material thoughts and habits and attitudes. This can be an example for us. But it's important not to put the horse before the cart. Just trying to get rid of things or thoughts that are not good for us can be a challenge. The key is to discover more of Christ in your life and follow him more closely. Jesus said in Matthew 6:33 that we should seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness and then all these things that we need will be added. And maybe we could add to that and all the things you don't need will be taken away. Let's put first things first. Seek first God's kingdom and his righteousness. That's what originally inspired my wife to clean our house. It wasn't just to get the house clean and decluttered. For her, that would be totally boring. But she could totally get behind walking with a perfect heart in her house. It's about putting God first and letting God direct your thoughts and actions. And when you do this, you will bear much fruit and it will glorify God. We're still working on our prayer project, 22 Ways to Pray with the Mindset of Jesus in 2022. This is week 11. And the aspect of Jesus' mindset we're going to pray about this week is from Matthew 7:29. He taught them as one having authority and not as the scribes. That's at the very end of the Sermon on the Mount when the people were amazed at the authority with which Jesus spoke and taught them. So this week, please pray about how you can embrace the authority of Christ when you pray, when you speak, when you share with or teach others. Some people have said to me they don't feel like that they could ever do that, think, act, speak, or pray with the same sense of authority Jesus had. Well, if you feel that way, You'll act on that thought and you'll be right. You won't be able to pray with the authority of Christ. But that doesn't mean you're not capable of it. Please be willing to think about and accept the fact that you have the same spiritual source of authority Jesus did. He said he couldn't do anything without the Father, and it was his Heavenly Father who really did everything through him anyway. That's true for you and me as well. You don't have any personal authority 
Your true Christly authority comes directly from God. It's part of your spiritual birthright. So this week, in your prayers, in your actions, and in your words, exercise this authority. And as with any exercise, you get better at it the more you do it. It may feel awkward at first, but you can do it. Keep at it. You have the authority of Christ. If you'd like to print out a copy of the full list of 22 ways to pray with the mindset of Jesus in 2022, you'll see a link in the show notes for this episode. And when you click on it, then just check your download folder. I want to thank you so much for listening. I'm so grateful you're here. And if you're new to the Bible Speaks to You podcast, welcome. Thank you so much for tuning in. If you haven't subscribed to the podcast yet, of course, you can do so on any of the podcast listening apps on your phone or your devices. But I also encourage you to subscribe on my website, thebiblespeakstoyou.com. Just click on the subscribe tab in the menu bar, fill out the form, and you're all set. That way you'll never miss an episode. I want to thank you so much for your support of this podcast, for sharing it and talking about it with your friends. And if you're listening on your smartphone, would you please take a screenshot of the podcast, post it on Instagram, and tag me at The Bible Speaks to You, and let me know what you found was helpful in this episode. I'd really appreciate that. As always, I will have in the show notes for today's episode all the Bible references that I mentioned today. You can find those at thebiblespeakstoyou.com forward slash 127. This is episode 127. And if you have any comments or questions about today's episode or, or anything about the Bible, or if you just need a little spiritual support, please reach out to me. I would love to hear from you. Go to the website, thebiblespeakstoyou.com, and click on the contact tab in the menu bar, and I will be in touch. That's it for today. I want to thank you once more for being here. I appreciate you so much. I'm James Early with the Bible Speaks to You podcast. Have a great week. Take care. We'll see you next time. God bless. God bless.